You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. Welcome to the Crossroad Podcast. We are in the throes of season one, which is entitled How to Lead. Our mission at the Crossroad is all about redefining effective leadership. So we've been talking throughout this season about what it looks like to really wrap our heads around leadership. What does it mean to influence? How do we steward our own character? And how do we steward our ability to influence the character, the mindset, the perspective, and the actions of the people around us. So we talked about their here path as sort of the framework for how all of this works. We start with a mission, with a vision in mind, and everything that we do as a leader is to, is to try to drive ourselves and to drive our organizations towards that mission. So that's the there, that's where we begin. And then we have a whole big set of collection of what we call here tools which are the way we assess our current reality in relation to that mission. Because only after we do that can we accurately figure out the structural tension between where we are and where we'd like to be and figure out the best way to set goals and move forward. In the last two episodes, we've actually talked about the Freedom V, which is a tool for teaching and encouraging self-governance within your organization. And in the last episode, we had a very dear friend of ours, Kate Goler, on as a guest. And she shared with us about her experiences of leading young adults and using the Freedom V specifically in order to communicate boundaries and expectations uh, and consequences if you go outside of those boundaries and expectations so that people learn um, the value of setting boundaries for themselves so that they can steward responsibility and be able to move towards their vision with intention and purpose. Um, So today we are going to move on to our next here tool, which is a tool for encouraging perseverance and perspective. And that tool is called the Project Mood Curve. Joey, do you want to introduce the Project Mood Curve for us? Yeah, so here we are. We're right about the midway point of this season talking about what it looks like practically to lead, what it looks like philosophically to be an effective leader. So it's an appropriate time for us to be talking about perseverance. One of the things that we've said over and over in the previous episodes is that leadership is hard work. Influencing others is a difficult and a complicated task. So the Project Mood Curve is about recognizing that reality, about naming the fact that things are difficult. And in order for us to create something, in order for us to proceed towards our mission effectively, we're going to have to make some mistakes. We're going to have to learn. We're going to have to persevere through a time, a season, sometimes long seasons of our expectations not meeting our reality, and not feeling as though we're succeeding, not feeling as though we're doing well. So as always, if you would like, you can go to the crossroad.net to see a mental image of the project mood curve as we talk through it. But essentially, the project mood curve works in four different phases. And the first of those phases is the forming stage, which is kind of like the honeymoon phase. You start a relationship, you start a project at work, Uh, You start any human endeavor 
with a certain amount of hope, a certain amount of expectation. There are so many options in our world. We don't start things unless we have a hope that it's going to work out well. You don't start a dating relationship sure that it's going to be a disaster. You start a relationship, you start a project because you have this sort of expectation that it's going to be worthwhile, that it's going to lead towards a vision that you have in mind. So again, every single thing that we do, every single human endeavor starts out this way with a certain amount of superficial excitement. And then the second stage of the project mood curve is the storming phase. So you can't be in that honeymoon phase forever. Any married couple will tell you that after a short time, that honeymoon phase starts to dwindle. You start to become annoyed at one another. You start to experience difficulty and conflict. And so you experience this stage of storming. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the options that happen. But what's important here is that our mood dips, our experience dips and goes into a place that feels negative, it feels bad, it feels as though we are failing, as though we're not succeeding, as though we're never going to reach our mission and this is not the way that I thought it was going to be and and all hope is lost. Any movie that you see goes through this same kind of trajectory. So as we walk through the storming phase, we have two choices. We can either persevere or we can quit. And if we persevere, we walk into the third stage, which is called the norming stage. So the norming stage is where things start to uh, normalize. Um, so in a marriage relationship, you start to kind of um, see a better sense of what are our roles? How are we going to deal with conflict? What are the systems and practices and patterns that we're going to develop? And these are essential for striving towards your vision. It helps to conceptualize what is most effective within a group and to move in that direction. And then that leads us to the fourth stage, which is performing. And the performing stage is actually you end up higher than you thought you were going to get in the first stage, the forming stage. You end up performing past where you even imagined you could. Uh, it's like how married people talk about love being more than they thought it was going to be. They talk about how it uh, love is a deeper, stronger bond than, than the romantic versions that they had at the beginning. So in order to achieve the success that we're truly after, in order to really participate in our visions, in our missions, we have to go through the storming phase. We have to go through the challenges. We have to learn and grow and adapt together. Otherwise, all we're ever going to experience is the superficiality of the honeymoon phase. And a lot of people, that's really all that they're after. They just want to stay in the honeymoon phase forever. But when we do that, we deprive ourselves of true effectiveness, of truly participating in our visions and the truest manifestation of them. And we end up in this kind of superficial cycle that a lot of people find themselves in. So there are a bunch of different misnomers about the project mood curve that we have realized on this journey of leadership. And one of the things that is so common within our culture today is that we want a shortcut. We don't want to go through the pit of despair. We want to move from expectation to performing, forming to performing, just like that, with no 
struggle or difficulty in the middle. And the fact of the matter is, you can't skip it. There are no shortcuts. And so you have to go through the pit of despair. You have to reconcile reality with what your initial expectations were so that you can understand where you actually are and move forward with truth. Um, Another misnomer about the Project Mood Curve is that everybody on a team is going to be in the same place at the same time. Um, And that's not true either. The Project Mood Curve is not a performance curve. It's an emotional curve about how you're feeling and what your expectations are in regards to reality. Um, And something can be really difficult for me on a project and really easy for Joey on a project. And so my emotional levels throughout our mood curve I might be in the pit of despair while Joey is actually in the norming or even performing stage. Um, Different people on different teams can be on different spots of the curve at the same time. So what are we really talking about here? We're talking about how inevitably in life, in human relationships, in work, in every endeavor we undertake, we fail. And (laughs) so there's basically two different ways that we can conceive of failure, uh, two different perceptions we can have around failure. Kylie, what is the sort of um, way that your uh, background, your family dynamics, your personal experience, maybe the culture at large has taught you how to con- how to perceive failure? I mean, per- failure is bad. Uh, And if I fail, then I am not going to be accepted. I will be rejected by those around me. And so at no matter the cost, I have to perform um, and I have to do well. Yeah, I think to add to that, just like the idea that um, it's perfection or bust, right? So if I fail, then the whole jig is up. The whole thing is over. And I've revealed that this is a disaster. And so we experience this. I experience this in my personal life all the time. Uh, we see it at the college when we talk to students. They feel like they're going through something that's difficult. And like you're saying, it feels like a bad thing. But hard things are not always bad things. Even in the midst of struggle, there's another option for how to perceive our failures and our mistakes. Yeah, this internal narrative that I have about failing has actually shifted and changed over the years as we have worked with these tools and these mental models and gained a greater understanding. Uh, And so we don't necessarily view failure as a bad thing anymore. We view failure as an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to uh, resolve conflict with one another. to be able to actually understand one another better and on a deeper level uh, and gain intimacy, both within our team and within our marriage. And so um, failure is not a bad thing. And the Project Mood Curve is such a wonderful tool and opportunity for us to normalize the hard thing and just say, this is where you are and that's okay. Uh, And as you continue moving towards your vision, the curve will eventually go up. Uh, You're not going to be here forever. Uh, And so we actually are able to live a little bit more 
I don't know if comfortably is the right word, but just with uh, more of a realization that we're not going to be here forever and um, and that that's okay. It's just the way that life works. Yeah, if you've got a, a cracked egg, then depending on how you choose to perceive it, you're either on your way to an omelet or you're staring at a hot mess. And so that's kind of what we're talking about here is trying to reimagine the way that we view our shortcomings and our failures as learning opportunities rather than as eternal indictments on who we are as people, on the relationships that we're in, and on the uh, projects that we're undertaking at work. I have a really wonderful example of the project mood curve at work in our own lives at the very beginning of us working with the crossroad and learning these servant leadership tools. Joe and I were in Dallas, and we had to get to the airport. And Joey's parents were with us, and so our vision, our there, was the airport. It was DFW. And we punched the location into our GPS, and we started driving. And there was a lot of construction happening in Dallas at the time. And so as we're moving along the path, and Joey's driving, uh, I'm navigating, which is actually never a good thing. He should be the navigator. I should be the driver. It almost always works out better for us. We hadn't learned our proper roles yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, As we're driving, suddenly the road is like rerouted, but it doesn't show up on our GPS. And Joey's all confused and frustrated because he doesn't know where to go. And I'm saying, just turn left, just turn left. And we're not supposed to actually turn left. And so he turns left and we end up lost. And everybody in the car is freaking out. And Joey turns the car around and he stops at a light and... We're in the pit of despair at this point in time because our expectation and what the GPS is communicating to us and reality is there's a huge gap between the two. And so Joey stops at a a light and Joey's dad, for some reason, just like gets out of the back of the truck and just starts looking around like on the street and joey's like what is going on get back in the car (laughs) like this isn't cool and so joe gets back in the car i figure out what's going on with the gps what's going on with the roads i get us back on our path and we eventually make it to the airport and as we're like normalizing as we're sort of figuring out exactly um how we're going to get to the airport through all of this construction and stuff. I think about the project mood curve and just out of nowhere in the car, I just go, well, mood curve's going up. Uh, And everybody laughed because we realized and recognized that this is just a part of life. It happens all the time. Um, And so when we realize that and we're aware of the mood curve at work, we're actually able to move forward with a lot more patience and a lot more grace for both ourselves and for others. So Kylie, why does this matter for leaders? If you're trying to be a person who stewards their influence, why is this tool important? I think that the Project Mood Curve is really important for leaders because it helps us to recognize our current reality with truth and it helps us to walk beside those that we are leading and show them that it's okay um, that even though things are challenging and difficult it doesn't mean it's bad uh, and that things will normalize um, and if we're able to help other people to learn how to persevere through their current situation then 
It will teach them, it will flex their perseverance muscle, and they'll learn that they can actually persevere through a lot of different things. There are some things you shouldn't persevere through, but in regards to our vision and some of the projects that we're working on in order to accomplish our vision, some of the goals that we're working on, we really need to learn that even though something is difficult, we can continue to go through it knowing that the thing on the other side of this difficulty is going to be so much better than our current reality is right now or what we even expected. Um, And so it's so valuable, even for me, walking through this with my college girls, for them to understand that the challenges that they're in right now are actually uh, going to become way better and are going to help them to accomplish their mission for the house that they're leading for the year um, has actually been absolutely Um, life-changing for some of those girls as they start to take ownership of their perspective and understand that um, they can do difficult things. I love what you said about it being a perseverance being like a muscle that you've got to work out and and, um, strengthen with intention. I think a lot of people, you know, the stereotypical example of this in today's world is like the helicopter parents. Like, we want to protect people from pain, which is not a bad thing, obviously. But sometimes we take it to such extremes that we keep people from learning opportunities. We keep people from a chance to really develop intimacy and to grow. And so what we get is people who are committed to the forming stage, who are obsessively looking for a shortcut, and when they can't find one, they quit. And what happens, Kylie, when you quit the mood curve? What What is the only <laughs> option that you have when you're in the pit of despair and you quit? The only option you have is to start another mood curve. And so you just start another project. You start a new relationship. You start a new job. Uh, and you end up back in the forming stage again. Um, and it can become a really unhealthy cycle if you just continue to quit whenever things get difficult. And so... This is something that helps us to realize that sticking it out actually makes things more worthwhile than um, just experiencing the butterflies of the honeymoon stage and the newness. Um, That there is something so much more wonderful about a... um, a job that you've learned to do and you can do really, really well, and a team that you have learned to work with and can work with really, really well, or a marriage that you're in that you have learned um, your roles and who you are and how you guys work together, and you do it really, really well. Um, You can get through almost anything if you are committed to your there. And let's just say this as clearly as we can you cannot experience the deep joys of life, the deep manifestations of your visions without going through some difficulty. Think about the relationships in your life that matter most to you, uh, your your marriages, your uh, relationships with your kids or your relationships with your parents, even your friendships of people that you would really describe as people who are very, very close to you, lifelong friends. None of those relationships are void of some conflict or going through some messy things together. The reality is intimacy just does not develop until we go through the vulnerable act of suffering together. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we should go looking for trouble and go jumping into turmoil. 
what it means is that we don't need to be as afraid of it as we are. Because the other thing that happens is we create this comparison idea in our minds that everybody else is just figured out a shortcut, and we're the only idiots that can't seem to get this right. So one of the ways we most often use this tool is to just help remind people that everybody is going through the mood curve. Every project, every relationship, every human endeavor is going through this. Nothing is immune to it. And what we've got to do is break through the cycle that Kylie is talking about, where we go from superficial to quitting, back to superficial to quitting, And we don't go through the difficulty of stewarding conflict, of engaging in sorrow in a way that helps us to achieve our mission. As I said before, true intimacy, true goodness, true success only happens on the other side of suffering. And so, again, we shouldn't go looking for suffering. I'm not saying that by any means. But what I'm saying is that when the inevitable imperfection finds us, when our expectations aren't meeting reality, the mood curve is an invitation to decide, is it time for me to quit? Is this thing that I'm in incompatible with my vision? Or is it time for me to really dig in? Is it time for me to really press into my marriage? Is it time for me to really dive into my project at work and recommit myself to the vision because the suffering that we're enduring right now is short and momentary compared to the opportunity that might be further out ahead if we can flex that perseverance muscle? One more additional thought on the performing stage. Once you're there, you're not going to stay there either. Um Most of us want to get to the performing stage and then just perform for the rest of our lives, the rest of our careers, the rest of our marriages. Um, But we have to keep working um, at the things that we are working on, knowing and understanding that this isn't just a up, down, up. It's an up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. That's what life is. It's a roller coaster. And there's so many different Um, elevations and terrains on this path of life that we need to navigate. And so um, don't have the expectation as you uh, evaluate your own project mood curve that you are going to stay on top forever. Um, Eventually, something in life happens that will bring you down again. Um, And so you have to constantly be moving along the path, constantly be acting, learning, and adjusting in order to move forward towards your there. We're in a season of COVID right now where things are crazy and so many companies that were possibly performing before COVID are now having to act, learn, and adjust because they're in the pit of despair now. And so life is a stage of circumstances and we get to decide within those circumstances how we are going to respond to what is happening around us. Um, And that is part of the perspective that we can adapt as we move through these different terrains and different levels of the curve. So an effective leader has a healthy perspective around perseverance, has the ability to truly discern, is this something I need to quit or is this something that I need to power through and, and press into? Um, We say, we'll get into this in a future episode, but we talk about things like conflict, and we say that conflict is a neutral entity. Uh, So is failing. 
it's a neutral entity. What matters is how we react on the back end of it. What we do next is the most important truth about our failures. And so becoming an effective leader is about learning how to steward this first in your own life and then how to communicate it effectively to the people that you in your sphere, to the people in your sphere of influence. So imagine you come to a person and you say, I am struggling with my grades. I have this one class and I just cannot seem to get it right. I bombed the last test. And the person says to you, I've never failed a test before. I got straight A's in high school, college. I've actually never failed at anything. You're immediately, aren't you just going to kind of close yourself off from this person? But that's kind of what we do. We try to put our best foot forward and pretend like we're the person with all the answers. But again, the people who have influenced you the most, historical figures like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Jesus even, these are figures who have suffered and their suffering actually adds to their influence. It adds to their power. It adds to the truth of their influence because suffering is a human endeavor and is something we all have to go through. So if you can suffer with courage and if you can be a person who learns how to discern when to quit, when to persevere, you're going to have an exponentially greater influence over the people you come in contact with. Because one of the things that our culture, our society is strangely um, lacking, but also desperate for is vulnerability, right? The truth of saying, here I am in my weaknesses, here I am in my imperfection, and I need people to be there with me. Not people who have all the answers, but just people who are willing to go through difficult things with me for the sake of what we might accomplish or achieve or experience on the other side of that together. So Kylie, we've mentioned during this episode that there are times when it's appropriate to quit and there are times when we really need to persevere. So how can a person discern the difference? What are some tips or advice or just straight truths for how a person can decide when they're in the pit of despair and their emotions are high and they're feeling the weight of imperfection, when is that weight so heavy that it's appropriate to quit? And when is it uh, light enough that you can continue on your journey? That's a great question. Um, Yeah. So I would say that one of the times when it would be really appropriate to quit is if you don't aren't actually committed to where you're going. So for example, like in a job, um, if you are in a job where you are absolutely miserable, where you are not utilizing any of your skills and gifts, you're just doing it for a paycheck, which sometimes you need and that's okay, but you're absolutely miserable and another option comes up or you start thinking about like, oh, maybe actually I could like really do this other thing that I would really enjoy doing and it would utilize all of these different gifts and talents and skills that I have in such a way that it would not only bring me life, but it would bring the organization that I want to be a part of life as well. Um, I would suggest that you consider quitting the job that is not bringing you life and is not bringing the organization that you're working with life either um, and move on to something that you can actually commit to um, that actually aligns with your values, with uh, your skills, your talents, um, 
and utilize the things that you have, your own personal bodily resources, uh, in order to be able to contribute to something that means something to you. Another example of a time when you should quit is when you don't really know where you're going, um, when you don't have clarity of you're there, um, when you're sort of just floundering around and moving aimlessly in a direction, you should probably quit floundering and actually create some clarity about who you are, what you are talented at, what you're good at, and actually like create a compelling vision for your life that you can commit to um, and make a choice. So quit floundering and actually take action in something that will make a difference in this world. Um, I have a ton of other thoughts. I would say as well, like if you're in an abusive relationship, um, maybe you shouldn't be in it. Um, there are lots of men and women who have been in abusive relationships uh, and they stay in it because they don't know what's on the other side of not being in it. Um, and sometimes you just need to get out of that and choose something that's going to be healthier for your life, uh, healthier for you, possibly healthier for your children, um, and will set you on a trajectory where you can actually um, create an environment where you are a whole and healthy person. So what I hear you saying is two things. Number one, that the pit of despair, the storming phase, is sort of a crucible for testing our commitment to our vision. Absolutely. And so one of the things that we really have to ask ourselves is, is my vision clear and am I committed to it? And if the answer to those two things is yes, you probably ought to continue on the journey that you're on. Um, the other thing that I hear you saying is that we're really good at self-deception. And so a lot of times we'll quit thinking that we can start a new project and it will be better, right? So we're quit we, we, we find ourselves in the pit of despair. We don't want to be there. So we think, you know what? If I quit dating this person, I'll find somebody else where it won't be so hard. And that's not the case. Uh, it, relationships are going to be challenging. So we have to be really careful about the mental gymnastics that we play when we're in the pit of despair to try to justify getting out of something that might be, it might be appropriate for us to continue to persevere through. Having said that, the opposite is true. You're talking about abusive relationships. We do these mental gymnastics thinking, I'm on this journey. I just have to be on this journey. And that's not the case either. Uh, there are different kinds of suffering. There are ones that help as a catalyst towards our there, and they're ones that are obstacles that derail us from achieving our vision. And if we're in the midst of something that's derailing our vision, it's time to quit. It's time to start something else. It's time to recommit to our vision in a way uh, that drives us to a project or a relationship that's more in alignment with that vision. And so all of that to say that it's a hard choice. And especially when you're in the heat of it and you're feeling the emotions that you're feeling, it's sometimes difficult. Is this something that just hurts in a way that's propelling me towards my journey? Or is this something that hurts in a way that is a derailment, is not in alignment with my vision and I need to get away from it? So it's hard work. We're not pretending that's easy. And some of the tools that we'll talk about throughout this season will help uh, in aiding that 
process of discernment. But I think one of the things that we're saying here is that you we've got to take the idea, the choice between quitting and persevering very seriously, and that it should be a decision that's vision-based rather than circumstantial-based or emotionally-based. Because those two things, circumstances and emotions, are important. They're extremely important and extremely valid. But if they become the drivers of our very lives, then we're going to get blown back and forth by all kinds of different winds, all kinds of different circumstances. And that's really what is happening in most people's lives. They try something, it's harder than they thought, they bail. That's why more than half of the marriages in America end in divorce. Because it gets to be difficult. It's not what they expected. It's not what people um, thought that they wanted up front. And so they just decide that it's not worth continuing to fight for. Uh, And so these are difficult things for us to try to wrestle through. But I think it's important as a person of influence, as a leader, to not be afraid of the complexities of the pit of despair and to not try to avoid it. To not try to cover it up, mask it over, lie to yourself or to others about it. We have to face the difficult complexities of life head on and make our decisions boldly based on truth and based on the visions and values, as Kylie is talking about, that really, truly determine who we are. And when we do that, we find a power in our own lives but also we find a power to influence and encourage and, and empower others to do the same. So in our next episode, we are going to talk about the two different types of mindsets that we tend to adapt as we go through these different terrains of life that are on the project mood curve. Um, it's called the two circles. Uh, and so hopefully you stay with us and we will learn more about these tools in order to redefine effective leadership in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.